A lot of the things he spoke about just seem to fit right in. You know, we live in a world that is full of chaos, don't we? When they made that decision to let that shuttle go up, and uh, I remember watching that, and when I saw all that smoke and things going, I said, that's it, that shuttle is gone, because I had worked at the Space Center and watched a lot of the shuttles and, and the uh, other rockets go up, and I knew there was something major went wrong. The people made a wrong decision, didn't they? A costly decision. But it wasn't the first because they've been doing this consistently. Our government does that a lot. If we live in a world that's so filled with chaos, confusion, hatred, fighting, all these things happen all the time, don't they? You can turn on the news. I noticed the other day they had a little girl down in Florida, close to where we used to live, in Homosassus, uh, Florida, that a nine-year-old girl taken right from her house. Why? They're still looking, still trying to find out. Then there was another piece in there of a teenage girl, war and fighting between her and her mother. She hated her mother. She hated her so much, she murdered her both her mother and father. And then she was bragging about it, I guess, inside the cell with another girl who now they're using as a witness against her. And they had another blurb on the TV, another news thing. Another teenager kills his grandparents. This is something that we see in the society today. Why? Because people make the wrong choices, don't they? Let me ask you something. When you get up in the morning, I did this morning, I looked outside and I said, it's a beautiful day. You know, it just made me happy and cheered up. So we get up and say, oh, what a beautiful morning. It's really great. You know, the whole day's going to go great if that's the way you get up and look at it. Or maybe you get up and you had a problem the night before on your job or with your family or somebody and you say, man, I hate this world. I don't, I just don't want to deal with these people anymore. And then I, my thoughts are, well, everything goes south, goes downhill from there. The whole day is going to be upset because you choose to get up with a chip on your shoulder maybe. And everything seems to be bad, doesn't it? And that happens in society today. Or maybe you just wake up and say, I just don't want to get out of bed. I've had this happen once or twice. I get up maybe 6 o'clock, let the dog outside, and it's 45 degrees in the house, and I jump back in bed and say, hey, this is the best place to be. I'm just going to stay here and keep warm. Who wants to get out and fight the cold today? Too many people do that. I've got... I've had a child that did this, uh, had to haul him to school every day for the first three months until we figured out how to get him out of school. <laughs> but there's a lot of people that way. They just don't want to get up in the morning. They don't have drive or initiative or whatever. So they decide that the best thing for me to do is to stay here in bed. Or... Maybe they get up and they piddle around. Have you ever done this? You get up early in the morning, maybe five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> Depends what time morning is for you. Depends what time you go to bed too, probably. 
And you start messing around and you, you do a little, little of this and a little of that and a little of something else and you look around and now it's 10 o'clock. Everybody else is out working and you're supposed to be out there helping and you forgot the most important thing of that day. You forgot to speak to your father because you piddled around and wasted time when you should have been out doing the first things first. It's a choice that we make, isn't it? We can choose to get up and get going. We can choose to stay in bed. We can choose to fight in anger. We can choose to hate and love. But it's a choice. In Matthew 6, verse 24, Matthew 6, 24, we make a choice on the things we're going to do every day of our life. We have that opportunity. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 says, No one can serve two masters. Think about that. You're not going to serve two different people. Either he will hate the one, and what happens so many times, and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Too often we're so wrapped up in this world so wrapped up in ourselves that what do we do? We make the wrong choice, don't we? We try to serve God and we try to serve money. We try to serve the world. We try to serve other things around us. But you cannot do that. You've got to make the right choice. We make a choice whether we're going to fight or whether we're going to be at peace. I thought of Winston Churchill once. He was, I don't know whether he was a prime minister at the time or he was pretty powerful in the British government. And he went to a, a banquet that uh, he'd been invited to. And Winston Churchill drank a lot. And he actually got a little drunk. And here comes a woman, a society person, up to him. And she was ready to pounce on him. In fact, she did. She jumped on him. She's ready to fight with the man. And she said, Sir, you're drunk and, and you shouldn't be that way. You should be a better example. And jumped all over him. And he took the right choice then. He said, Lady, I understand. I'm drunk. But you're ugly. Tomorrow, I'll be sober. <laughs> so, I mean, it's one way to solve the problem. I also remember a time when I was in service, basic training, you know, you, they take you and they put 30, 40 people in a, one barracks, you know, and they have 10 lavatories. And you have about 30, 40 minutes to get in there, get yourself washed up, shower shaved, you know, and get back out in formation. And uh, this one fella, and, you know, if you're closest enough to the to the the train, you can get to be first there and get to the, the lavatory before anybody else. Well, the rest of us who were farther back or upstairs had to get in line. We were standing there in line, and a sink came open. And this boy, I walked forward to get onto it, and he jumped forward, and he was all mad. He was ready to go to battle. He was so mad, he threw his clothes down on the wet floor. And I just said, hey... <laughs> I don't want to spend my time in the brig or get kicked out of the service. You know, if you want to fight, and besides, I didn't want my clothes on the floor either. Because <laughs> you, get, you get in trouble for doing that. But, you know, you can fight. 
And that happens all the time. We always find a way to get into a fight. Let's see, I had a family member call and talk to us the other day. And uh, this family member used to holler and scream at her husband, hollered and screamed back at her, fought with the kids, and they fought back. And it just seems that this is society today. It, people do that a lot. They hire, they fight back and forth. But she came across a um, program that helped her solve the problem. Now, she could have continued warring and fighting until the kids finally left home and then war and fight with her husband for the rest of their life, or she chose to do something different. She chose to try to make peace. And she found out by doing what the book said, or the video uh, audio tape said, that things worked out. So she chose a pattern of life to change her pattern of life. And that's something I think that it's really difficult for each one of us is to make that choice, to really choose whether we want to fight or make peace, go to battle. Let's turn over to James chapter 4. Because there's reasons that we can fight and reasons we don't have to fight. James chapter 4, verse 1, James 4, 1. says, From whence comes war and fighting among you? So here, God speaking through James says, why are you out there trying to fight? What's the reason for fighting? So where comes war and fighting from you? Come they not hence from your, your lust, that war within your members. He's saying that it comes from within yourself. You want to fight, you want to go to battle, you want a war, you're doing it from inside yourself because... You lust, you want something that somebody else has. And so it's so easy to get out there and fight for it. You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not, because you ask not. We don't get down and make the right decision. We don't ask God to give us the understanding and the wisdom, no. We want to go out there and take it ourselves. Why not? I'm bigger. I'm stronger. See, there was a movie once. Um, I forget the name of it. But this older woman had a big car, and she was waiting for a parking space. And these two young kids come flying around her, pulled in the parking space right in front of her. And so she rammed their car, and they jumped out. What are you doing? What are you doing? She said, well, I'm older, have a bigger car, and i got more insurance. <laughs> but that happens. You think, I'm bigger and better. And you, know, you look at the movies. How many of the times you see in these movies from times past where uh, I can think of the westerns, remind me of the westerns. They go into a bar, and a guy comes in there, and he's all uptight about it somebody else who says, I don't like your looks. And so they go to shooting it out. But have you ever thought of somebody comes up to you and says, I don't like your looks. And you, if you don't want to fight, you want to make peace, you say, well, hey, I don't like mine either. Just think, you can walk away. I've got to live with it the rest of my life. <laughs> so, 
But see, you can make up war. You can war and fight. You can have difficulties, but you don't have to. You can get by without that. First Peter 3. We war and fight because we lust. We want something that somebody else has. 1 Peter 3, verse 9, not rendering evil for evil. Well, that's another reason that we fight. Because we choose to, to retaliate. Somebody did something to me, and man, I'm going to not put up with that. I'm just going to come right back at them. So we render evil for evil. Is that what we should be doing? It's a choice that you do. If you choose to fight with somebody for that reason, then you have a problem, don't you? You've chosen to render evil for evil or railing for railing. But counterwise, blessing, knowing that you are heretofore called that you should be inherited, that you should inherit a blessing. So if you take the other side of the coin, you render blessings, and wasn't it what Christ said? If they hit you on the right cheek, give them the left. If they ask you for your coat, you give them your cloak also. If they ask you to go a mile, you go two miles. Christ said, you don't have to fight. He said, you can make a different choice. So the whole thing is about making a choice, choosing what's right and what's not right. First Peter or Second Peter two. Second Peter two. You see, men will render railing for railing and evil for evil. But notice here in Second Peter two and verse eleven, whereas angels you know what I'm saying, just bring it up. Here angels which are greater in power and mightier bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. So here angels are not out here making a railing accusation to God. But men do, don't we? Somebody comes at us and calls us a name, we're just like a little child. We come right back at them with another name. It's too easy to jump back at them. You're driving down the highway. Somebody cuts you off. Or maybe you accidentally cut them off and they pull up beside you and start screaming at you. What do you do? Scream back at them? Slam on your brakes? Uh, do a lot of things, don't we? That's putting a railing back for a railing or an evil back for an evil. And yet the angels, who are mightier than we are at this point in time, they don't do that. And these are examples that we should say, hey, i got to look at my life. How do I live my life? Jude, verse 9. Jude, verse 9. Yet Michael, the archangel, when he was contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against him, that's Satan, a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Cannot we make that same decision? It's something you have to look in your own life. How am I walking this life that Christ has set in front of me? Do I look out there and return a railing for a railing? Do I turn a, a fight back with another fight? Or do I do as the example that was shown here, that I don't do that? I don't show a fight back for another fight. 
you can choose to make peace or you can choose to fight. James chapter 3, James 3, verse 18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. Now here we're told that if we have peace, we're working toward righteousness. The fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Do we try to make peace? Or do we select the opportunity to go out there and do battle with somebody else because I don't like what they did. I don't like their looks. I don't like the way they act. I'm going to make it my effort to show them the right way and I'm going to beat it out of them. (laughs) Well, that's not right. God says make peace. That's why Christ, again, I bring out, He said, go two miles if they require you to go a mile. If they ask you something, help them out. Because you're making peace and not war. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Hebrews 12, 14. We're making peace. We can choose to make peace or we can choose to fight. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man can see the Lord. So if we're out there fighting, do you think you're going to be able to find Christ? Well, I know there was a time when Christ sent the nation of Israel out to to battle, sent David out to fight these people. But we're talking on a personal level, individually, today in our day and time. If we're going to be righteous, we're going to have to sow peace. And we've got to follow peace with all men, or else we're not going to see Christ. Christ doesn't want someone that's angry all the time inside. In fact, there's a scripture that tells in Proverbs that says, if a person is an angry man, it says, stay away from them. Stay away from an angry person. Don't have anything to do with them. Because if you stay and hang around an angry person, all you're going to do is get angry yourself and go to battle. You can't bring peace. So we want to be with Christ, we want to see Christ, so we're going to have to work at making peace. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. So we're to be perfect, where we have good comfort, be in the same mind. If you've got the same mind internally, and we understand in the church today that the church is not in the same mind no matter where they are. I'm certain that there are going to be people really look down inside the church. There are people going to look down on those that are striving to, to do God's will. And it's going to be caused because there are others out there who are, as we read there in James, they're going to lust for what God has given to you and to me. So they're going to be angry at us. So be of one mind. If we have the same mind, we'll be like they were there in Acts, where they were all in one place, in one accord, the same mind, and God's Spirit's going to be poured out upon them. 
I listened back to Joel Peter in the uh, New Testament church, and I didn't realize it. I mean, I've heard it several times, but it just dawned on me, I guess. We don't live under grace right now. They did because they were in one mind. But do we today? How many times, you know, Daryl pointed out there in that sermon, he said he goes out and anoints somebody and they're not healed, and said it gets frustrating. I know how he feels. I've seen it when I've anointed someone and they were healed. But majority of time, nothing happens. They're not healed. And why is that? Because we make a wrong choice maybe somewhere down the line. We've chosen not to totally trust Christ. Well, we're not at peace. We're not at the same mind. So he says, be of one mind, live in peace. And how great that would be to live in peace. Where you could go any place or do anything and not worry about having to have all these locks, locking everything up. But we, we don't in this country or in this world or in Babylonian society, we do not live in peace. We live in hatred. We live in fighting. Look at the war going on over in, in uh, Iraq. I mean, people killing each other, killing themselves so they can kill somebody else in, in the process. And what are we doing? We're taking our junk society and forcing it down the throat of everybody else in the world. Everything we do in this country is, is bad, so we, we take our rotten movies, we take our rotten music, we take our, our adulterated foods to the world, and we've chosen to do that. Not because we're trying to make peace, but because we're trying to make, and as I said earlier, we want to serve money more than God. No, we have an, an opportunity to either make peace or go to war. Which one do we want to do? We can work or just sit back and do nothing. Do you ever think about that? <laughs> Sometimes it's a lot easier to sit back and do nothing. When I thought of that, I thought of a poem that came up and my wife looked it up on the internet since we looked in some of the poem books and it wasn't there. So we brought it up on the, on the internet and it goes this way. Once upon a time, there were four people. Their names were everybody, somebody, nobody, and anybody. Wherever there was an important, or whenever there was an important job to be done, everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. When nobody did it, everybody got angry because it was everybody's job. <laughs> everybody thought that somebody would have done it, but nobody realized that nobody would do it. So, consequently, everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done in the first place. By sitting back and being lazy, by sitting back and not wanting to do something, and blaming somebody else for it. Isn't that interesting when I thought of sending this letter out? Well, sorry, not that point. About the Internet problem. You see, we have a, 
little difficulty in the internet. Everybody blames somebody that nobody done anything for. And I, I told my wife and, and uh, Marla, I said, well, I guess in the case of this internet, I must be the nobody because I didn't do what I, maybe I should have done. And consequently, everybody thought nobody would do it, and nobody did it. But sometimes nobody knows all the solutions. So everybody could have done it. Everybody could have helped create it. But nobody did it. And so everybody got mad at nobody <laughs> because somebody didn't do what they, everybody could have done. And that's the case with the Internet. Yes, we have an Internet. It is up. And they are working on it. And they're doing a pretty good job. It takes time. I wondered, why does it take so much time? Well, they're downloading five meg, uh, sermons, and it takes time. And they've got, I guess, a hundred sermons to put on there. So it takes a lot of time. And sometimes we don't have patience and say, I can't understand it. I don't see what's going on. Well, for more than a year, we haven't had an Internet. And nobody could have done it. Or everybody could have done it, I guess. Somebody could have done it. But one person that was in charge didn't give out the information, so we all sat back and thought, that's somebody else's problem, wasn't it? But it's our own problem because how many of us chose to get on our knees and say, Father, bring a person or people or whatever it takes that can do this job and they'll have the ambition and the drive to get it done. But did we do that? Did we make that choice? Look at Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, the last chapter here, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, let's start in 14. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Here we're told by Joshua that we should get out there and serve God, make Him our Master, serve Him in sincerity and in truth. We heard that from Terry in the sermonette. God wants truth. He wants and expects us to have truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. The other side of what flood? The flood of Noah's time? All those gods they had back there? All the gods of Egypt? We can make a choice to live and look at this in our own personal life. What do we have as a God? What idols do we set up? We had a whole series of sermons about idolatry and idols. Maybe we ought to go back and listen to some of those too. But what is your idol? You can choose to serve God or you can choose to serve idols. 
verse 15, And if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, or and in those, in those lands you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Here he's saying you have a choice. Who do you want to choose? Who do you want to serve? Sit down and think about it. I had a question this morning come to me. Should I move out here? Should I move out in this land? Should I move to the desert? It made me think of a little story of, of reading in a, another little book here. And this psychiatrist was asked about the same question in the story. It said, do you approve of my moving? Or should I move? Should I come out to the desert? Psychiatrist went on and said, I'm not sure my thoughts have anything to do with approving or disapproving. So when a person asks me, should they move out here? I don't think whether my thoughts makes a difference whether they move out here or not. The important thing is that no one has the control over your life than you do. You have a control on your own life. While that won't guarantee success, it will guarantee you the right to make your own decisions. So if we're always looking for someone else to tell us, uh, should I do this? Should I do that? Is it right to move out to the desert? Is it right to have God as my God, or is it right to be worship Babylon? It's easy to live in Babylon, but is it right? So Joshua said, as for him and his house, they are going to serve the Lord. That's a choice that Joshua took. Is that the choice that we take? Are we taking the choice to serve God no matter what comes down the line? Because it's not going to be easy and there seem to be problems with it, but do we choose to do that? And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Did the worldwide say that? God forbid that we should walk away from worldwide and serve another God? And they stayed where they shouldn't have stayed. They made a wrong choice. For the Lord our God, He it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt. You know, Egypt is bondage. Egypt is bondage. And we should be able to say ourselves that it is our God, our Father and our brother and soon-to-be husband, Christ, who brought us out of captivity. Are we going to go right back into captivity again? Are we going to choose to live in this society and partake of all that that's there? Or are we going to choose to serve God? from the house of bondage and which did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went 
and among all the people whom, uh, through whom we passed. So here, they went through a lot of things. And they finally could look back and say, hey, God protected us. Do we look back in our life and say, God brought me out of bondage and I slipped back into it, but he gave me a second opportunity to come out of bondage. Uh, and look at all the things I went through. And boy, it was great. It was fantastic that I was able to do that. And the Lord God drove out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land wherein we also serve the Lord, for He is our God. So we've got to come to serve God and make that our choice of going out and serving our Creator. Too many times people make bad choices. Too often, I look back in my life, I've made a lot of wrong choices. I chose one time to keep a B operation and take on a partner that I shouldn't have. And you know, I paid dearly for it. My family paid for it too. So when you make a wrong choice, somebody's going to pay for that. Let's take a look at a few people who made wrong choices. Acts chapter 5. The book of Acts chapter 5. People make wrong choices. And dire consequences come from making wrong choices. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, seems okay right now. They owned the property. They sold it. They took the money and gave some of it to the, to the church. They gave it to the apostles. But Peter said, Ananias, why, have you, why has Satan filled your heart with a lie to, heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land? So what was the story here? Ananias seen the money. It was his money. He didn't have to give it all. But what did he do? As Terry was pointing out, he was trying to kiss up to the apostles, or I say suck up to them, wants to be, hey, I am really something. Look at what I've done. Look at all the money I've put in. Of course, under the table, he was hiding some for himself because he didn't want to go without anything. So instead of telling the apostles, hey, this is part of the money. I'm keeping some that belongs to me. You know, it was a lot of money there and I wanted to keep some back for myself. It would have been fine. But he tried to make it look too good. I am really something great. And as you read on through, you find out that choice he made of lying to God's apostles and to, the, to God cost him his life. It cost his wife her life. Because she said, oh, yeah, yeah, we did that. They made a wrong choice, didn't they? That choice cost them their life. Zechariah, I think it's Zechariah. Zechariah 
I think that's the one I want. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 2. The Lord has seen sore dis- the Lord has been sore displeased with your fathers. We heard Daryl bring this out. God was displeased somewhat with the church under Mr. Armstrong. And then you read on and you find out he was really displeased with the Dukachs when they came in. Because we made the wrong choice somewhere down the line. Therefore, says, say you unto them, thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn you unto me, said the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, said the Lord of hosts. If we make the right choice and start bringing on peace so that we can come into Christ, He's going to come to us. He's going to help us and be with us. But if we make the wrong choice, what happens? We wind up on the lower end of the side of God, and that's not the place you want to be. Numbers chapter 16. Some other people that made the wrong choice. We should look at some of these things in them and how it applies to our life. Think about making the wrong choice. And what happens when you make the wrong choice? Numbers chapter 16, verses, verse 1 through 4. Now Korah, and it goes on that Korah is the son of Levi. Levi was the priest line. And Dathan and Abiram, sons of Reuben, the firstborn, took men, and they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. They rose up against Moses and Aaron. But in reality, they didn't rise up against Moses and Aaron. They rose up against God. Korah thought, I'm just as good as you. I'm a Levite too. Dathan and Byron said, hey, we're the firstborn. We should be the ones in charge. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, You take too much on you, seeing all the congregation is holy. Is that us today? Is all the congregation holy? Do we all have the right to stand up and say, Hey, uh, Daryl, you're taking too much on you. I think the rest of us ought to be able to get up here and take over charge too. Maybe we ought to be in the guy up on the top. You know, we should be the one making the decisions and writing the articles and all this. Basically, it's what it was saying. It's what Korah was saying to, to Moses. We have a right to be the leader. We have the, one to, we have the right to speak because we are holy too. If you take too much on yourself since... Uh, let me find my place there. Seeing that the congregation is holy. Every one of them... And the Lord is among them. Is God among us? Sure, He's among us. Are we holy? Yes, we're holy. Wherefore, then lift you up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. I ask, why do you think you can be up ahead? Well, let's see. Maybe 
because Christ put him there? Maybe because God selected the man and gave him that job? So who are we to go up there and challenge God's servant? It's a wrong choice to do that. Moses made the right choice. And Moses heard it. He fell on his face. Moses feared God. Apparently, Dathan, Korah, Abiram, and 250 leading men of the congregation did not fear God. And they made the wrong choice. And what happened? Dathan and Abiram and their families and everything that belonged to them fell in the pit. Korah fell into the pit. And a plague went through and took the lives of thousands of people because they made a wrong choice. We need to sit and think ourselves. Am I making the right choice? Do I challenge God's head? The one that God has selected and put in position. It's a very cru crucial thing to think about that. Let's look at another person, Jonah. See what Jonah did. Jonah made a wrong choice too. I know it's in here. Okay, Jonah. Chapter 1, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of whoever that is, says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. God told Jonah to go and do something. And what did Jonah do? He made the wrong choice, didn't he? He jumped in the ship and headed off the other direction. But it wasn't God's intent that Jonah go off the other direction. And so he almost sank the ship and killed all those people till he finally said, well, it's me. Uh, I've made a wrong choice. And they pitched him overboard. And God made him go and do what he had to do. And he still got mad. He still got mad because... God didn't destroy the city of Nineveh. The city of Nineveh did what? They made a better choice. They chose to repent and turn around and follow God. How about in our life? Has God told us to do something? Well, I look out here at this audience here in the hall, and most of you felt God told you to come to the desert, and you chose to follow God. And I feel very confident that God will bless us for doing that because we chose the right thing. We chose to do what he asked us to do. David is another example of a bad choice. What did David do that made a bad choice? He looked out there and he saw this beautiful woman. Here he was, king. You know, he could do just about anything saw this beautiful woman. She made a bad choice because she exposed herself. And what was the end result? He murdered a man, committed adultery, and a child died. So two people died for that sin. Bad choice. 
How about us? Maybe we've committed adultery in our minds or actually. Maybe we committed idolatry, which is still a bad choice. Worshipping the wrong thing. Worshipping this world. Wanting to be so close to Babylon, to have one foot in Babylon and one foot in the grave. And that's that, that story of that person who's standing right there next to the grave and he's one foot just about to go in and he had his other foot sitting on a banana peel. Yeah, he's going to fall in, isn't he? Or he's trying to straddle the fence as they did there in Revelation chapter 3. I don't have it down, but it's interesting. Revelation chapter 3. I meant to put that in there and I didn't get it. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 says, Unto the angel of the church of Laodicea, write these things, says the Amen. The faithful and true witness, that's Christ, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot nor cold. You know, God would rather us be totally hot. That means... Your decision is to be so wrapped up in this work and doing everything He said, no matter what comes, or to be cold. Because if you're cold, He says, that's okay. That's fine. You can be cold. That's great. Because I've got a place for you later. If you're totally cold, I'll bring you up in the second resurrection. You'll have a chance. But not the Laodiceans. They're the ones that's standing over the fence they got one foot on one side in Babylon, the other one in church or in God's way of life, and they're standing over this fence that's made of a razor wire. I hope they don't slip. <laughs> Maybe it's a saw blade they're standing over, a spinning circular saw blade. If they slip, they're cut in pieces. No, we don't want to be like the Laodiceans, do we? If you're totally hot, God says, that's great. If you're totally cold, that's okay. But to be a Laodicean, to be making the wrong choice. See, it's okay to make the choice to be totally cold because God will give them a chance. And it's okay to make the choice to be totally hot. But to make that choice of being lukewarm, that doesn't go. God's not going to like that. He's not going to deal well with those people. They will wind up going into the tribulation and it's not going to be an easy time. So sometimes we make the wrong choice. Another case of making the wrong choice. The very beginning of the, of the whole Bible. That was Adam and Eve. God set in front of them a beautiful garden. Said anything in this garden you can have. It's all yours. Except one thing. What did they do? They, they chose the wrong thing. And what happened? They lost a lot. They lost a beautiful garden. They were kicked out. They had to fight and tumble with the rest of their life. Genesis 4 talks about Cain and Abel. Abel made the right choice. He knew and Apparently, they'd grown up enough and they knew that they had to do certain sacrifices. 
Abel chose to give God the best he had. Cain chose to give an offering. It was a Laodicean offering. You know, it's an okay. It's not the greatest and it's not the worst. It's an okay offering. And God said, I can't accept that. What about our life? Are we a Laodicean? No, we come up. We're in, if you want to call it an era, we're in a Laodicean era of people that are saying, it's okay, I mean, if I'm here and I'm sitting in a chair, I'm listening and I'm doing what's right, it's okay. It's an okay time. But God said, I can't accept that. I either want you fired up or I want you to be cold, not be around, so whatever. He doesn't want it. It's an okay deal. So we have to analyze our own personal life on a day-to-day basis. Is what I do an okay life? Am I serving God all right? Or am I like Abel? I'm going to give the greatest sacrifice I can give. That's my life. Christ set the example, didn't He? He gave up eternity. He chose to give up eternity. He chose to walk on this earth as a human being. He chose to be beaten and to die. And that's what He expects from us. To choose the right thing. God's given us knowledge, hasn't He? What are we choosing to do with it? God opened to us knowledge of the calendar, knowledge of the minor prophets, and knowledge on the holy days and how we should keep the Passover. It has not been kept right since who knows how long. Certainly not at all in this era of the church from the time Mr. Armstrong was called. We know that. It wasn't kept right. God's given us that knowledge. What are we doing with that knowledge? Are we taking it? Yeah, it's okay. I mean, I guess it's okay. Uh, I might do it. Uh, It's possible I'll do it. Or are we going after it like this is God's Word? Are we choosing to say, I am going to do what God wants done? Are we choosing to make sure through our prayers, because not all of us can get out there and send this out. There's only takes a few people to mail, to send out the Internet, to work on the Internet. But what else each one of us can do is to, as I brought out in that sermon or, or Bible study, what, three years ago about, I think it was Peter, who prayed so much they said his kneecaps were like horses' hooves. So are our kneecaps getting like horses hooves? Are we praying that God will make these things work out? That's the right choice. Let's look now at a few people who've made the right choice. People who've made the right choice. Luke chapter 10. Making right choices. This is what God would like us to do. He'd like us to make right choices. Are we making right choices? Luke chapter 10, verse 38. 
Now it came to pass as they went uh, that they entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she said, uh, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does you not care that my sister has left me to, to serve alone and bid for uh, therefore, that she come and help me. And Jesus said, and an Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Martha has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. How about us? Are we so cumbered with our day life that we're not really choosing what's really most important. I look back in my life and I can think of the years as a deacon and raising a family of eight children. And how many times was I so involved in doing physical things and not putting my nose where Mr. Armstrong used to say time and time and time again, this is God's Word. Blow the dust off your Bible. Get your nose into it. Study it. Prove these things. Don't believe what I say. If it's here, if it's in the Scriptures, then you believe that. But no, it's too much to be, to be involved doing physical things. How about it today? Are we so involved in the physical side of life that we're forgetting and not choosing the most important thing? That's God, His Word, what He's doing, where He's going, what He wants us to do. Martha chose the wrong thing. Christ Himself said right out there in front, He's not going to take away from Mary because she's chosen what's more important. Ruth is another example. Someone made the right choice. Ruth, 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 verse one, uh, chapter one. Ruth, chapter one, verse thirteen. Would you carry? Here's. Uh, Naomi Tech telling her she, to Ruth, are you going to stay around that long enough to I can have some more children and then marry one of my sons? And verse 14, and then they lifted up their voice and they wept again and Ortha kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth cleave unto her. And she said, Behold, your sister-in-law is gone back to her people and to her gods and returned, turn you after your sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, nor to return from following after you. For whether you go, I will go, and whether you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people, and your God my God. And where you die, I will die, and where you are buried. So here Ruth is showing that Ruth made the right choice. She chose to go after Christ. And we see that she wound up being in the lineage of David. 
and of Christ as a physical person. She made the right choice. Ruth's example should be an example that shows that if we choose the right things, we will be blessed. David's example of Bathsheba, with Bathsheba, shows that that's a wrong decision and it brings death. And many other people, Ananias and Sapphira, made the wrong example. David made right examples too in his life. Psalm 17, an example that shows that David made right choices at times. He had to make right choices because God said of David, he was a man after my heart. Why would God call a person who was a bloody man, who'd committed adultery, who committed a murder, also say he was a man after my heart? Psalm chapter 17, verse 15. As for me, I will behold your face in righteousness, and I shall be satisfied when I wake with your likeness. David was satisfied by being close to Christ. His example was he woke up and looked out there and he was satisfied that he could be a part of what God was doing. He set us that example. We also see he made the right example in Samuel where he went out to battle against Goliath. He chose Christ on his side. When he came and confronted Goliath, and Goliath said, What am I, a dog? Christ said, I came, you come to me with a, David said, You come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the living God. That's the choice that we must face in this world today. We've got to come to our enemies and to the people around in the name of the living God. So we need to make that choice. Another example, Philippians chapter 3. Looking at people who've made the right choice. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do forgetting those things which were behind and reaching for the things which are before. Paul said, I've been a bad person in back. But I'm forgetting those things because now I'm reaching forward to the things in front of me. I'm going to choose to do what Christ wants. I'm going to follow the direction that's given to me. I press toward the mark for the prize the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Are we pushing forward? You have to ask yourself. Nobody can run your life. You make your own decisions. You make your own choices. And when you've done that, you can be satisfied with whatever way it turns out. Either you're going to turn out making the wrong choice and suffer, but if you repent and turn around, God will bless you for it. So Paul said, he's pressing forward for that high calling. Am I pressing forward? You ask yourself, do I press forward every day to get that high calling? What is that high calling? The bride of Christ? To be a part of the family of God? 
to go ahead and bring peace finally to this world, a world that's full of hate and fighting and bickering and squabbling and, you know, you can't trust anybody, lying and cheating all over. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. God will reveal the things that we need to know. He'll show it to us as we need to know them. If we make the right choice. Hebrews chapter 11. This whole book in Hebrews. Chapter 11 rather. Talks of people who've made the right choice. People who've made a right choice. Verse 23. Hebrews 11:23. By faith Moses when he was born was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. Did these parents make the right choice? You bet they made the right choice. They believed that God would take care of them. They made the right choice. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. How about yourself? Do I want to enjoy the pleasures that's out here today? You know, Christ said, broad is the way that leads to destruction. That pleasure of the things that we have around us, whether it be the television, whether it be the foods that they have to eat, the entertainment, the, the taking life easy, do we choose those things or do we choose as Moses chose not to enjoy the pleasure for a season? It's only a short time left. In Revelation 18.4 it says, Come out of her, you my people, that you be not partakers of their sin and of their plagues. So if we choose not to take pleasure in for a short season, but we choose to follow Christ and take whatever comes down the line, whatever He offers, then we're not going to take part in their plagues that's coming on this world. So we have a choice to make. We can choose right or wrong. We can follow Paul's example. Acts 20, verse 24. Another example of Paul. Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of Pete, of grace of God. Are we willing to take whatever comes along? Like Paul did. He's, he said he counted himself his life as nothing. I give it up. He even offered to give up eternal life for his immediate family. We have a course in front of us. A challenge. Something we're going to have to do. Are we going to stay with it? We're going to keep going? Or are we going to get discouraged and fall backward? 
fall out. You know, we can do that. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. I'm not going in there, but if you look at it and take this as another example. Well, time's running out. It's, if you look at the example there, and that's of Stephen. First the example was in Acts 6 where the apostles were being encumbered by physical things and they, they told the people, choose out seven people. They made a decision, a right decision, to choose out seven people to, to take some of the load off of the, the apostles and let them do the physical things so that the apostles can go ahead and do the spiritual things. We have a servant of God here and sometimes we need to take off some of the physical things so that God, so that Daryl can go ahead and keep studying and praying and come up with, as God directs him and teach us things that we have read time and again but never understood. Because God's doing that. It goes on in chapter 6 to talk about Stephen who made another choice. Stephen chose to follow Christ and it cost him his life. But Stephen made the right choice. Daniel's another case. Starts with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What did they do? They chose to follow Christ and to suffer if it was death. It was death. But they knew their, their God, their Creator. And they didn't die. What about us? If we are faced with that situation doesn't have to be a fiery furnace. It could be a gun. It could be a mob. It could be the government coming on us and saying, you will give up this nonsense about keeping the Sabbath and Saturday and start keeping Sunday like the rest of the world. How will you respond? If they're standing there with guns and saying, we're going to kill you if you don't, I think of William Wallace who was told he had to follow the Anglican church and he gave his life because he would not do it. Are we willing to do that same thing? Will we say, if I die, I die. And if I live, I live. But whether I live or die, I am not going to turn from what my father and my husband-to-be has taught us. Daniel was thrown in a in a lion's den because he loved his God so much that he would not give up praying three times a day. And he knew these people were looking at him. He knew they were trying to get rid of him. Oh, he could have said, okay, I'll sneak around, but he didn't do that, did he? He chose to love God no matter what the consequences. That's our choice. It's a matter of choice. It's a matter whether you want to choose whatever God gives to you or to choose the world, to choose following Satan, and maybe suffering and dying. But God doesn't want that from us, does He? God doesn't want us to, to choose the world. Let's look at what the Father wants from us. Matthew chapter 5. I only have about 20 more scriptures, so don't worry. Ten, ten minutes. 
Matthew chapter 5. Verse 38. Matthew 5, verse 38. You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. So it's been said that somebody beats on you, you beat back on them. But I say unto you uh, that you resist, uh, you, you, you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite you on the right cheek, and we, I quoted this earlier, quite, you know, he goes on to tell them if they beat on you, you accept it. You don't fight. You try to make peace. You've heard it said, verse 43, uh, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemy, bless them that curse you, do good unto them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This is what Christ is expecting from us. He expects us to make this type of a choice. To make peace, to be peacemakers, to learn to love other people. And Terry Sermonetti talked there in Deuteronomy 31, uh, 13. I thought it fit very well. Maybe we ought to go back and read those scriptures. Read what it says there in Deuteronomy. In Romans 12, verse 1, what God expects from us. Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's what God expects from us, to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. He wants what kind of a sacrifice? He wants a top-notch sacrifice. He doesn't want an okay sacrifice. I'm here, I'm doing what I can. No. He's doing, he wants from each one of us a prime sacrifice. And be not conformed to this world. And this is what Christ wants from us. Not to be conformed to Babylon. Yes, we live in Babylon, but don't conform to it. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego did not conform to Babylon. They lived in Babylon, but they didn't conform to it. So, so don't be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. That's what God expects from us. It's a choice that we have to make. It's a choice to choose God over the world. It's a choice to be part of Babylon or a part of God. For I say through the grace given unto me that every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Again, he's telling us how to deal, how to look at it. For as we have many members in one body, all members have not the same position. So he goes on and shows that there are different gifts and different administrations and different areas. And let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Oh. We've got to get rid of the evil? 
Abhor the evil and cleave to that which is good. It's a choice. You can choose that or you can go the other way. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. So again, a choice that you have to make. A choice to choose to honor other people. To love other people. Be not slothful in business. Don't be a lazy person. Get up when it's time to get up. Get going. Become a fired up person. As opposed to the one that wants to lay around. That says, well, you know, it's like having the, the roof that's leaking. And saying, well, it's raining, so I'm not going to go out on the roof today. Because it's raining. And then the next day it's bright and sunny, so why do I need to go out? So, you know, it's a self-starting person, he said. Not to be slothful in business, but fervent in spirit. Fervent in spirit, that means getting after your contact with Christ, studying His Word, prayer, just make that your life. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoice in hope, patient in tribulation. Oh, that's sometimes hard to do, isn't it, when you're being beat upon, you're in tribulation, you're having a tough time with income coming in. It's muddy in the roads. You can't get back and forth outside the roads. Can we get? Can we lose and be discouraged over that? Continuing instant in prayer, all the time having that close contact with the Father, distributing to the necessities of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless them which persecute you. That's sometimes hard to do, isn't it? To choose to bless somebody who's out there persecuting you. I kind of wondered the other day, a lady got stuck out here in the mud. Was she the one that has stirred the county up? But I went out there, borrowed Bill's tractor and pulled a lady out. She was stuck with a little kid in the mud. So you bless them that persecute you. Um... Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but cons consent to men of low estate, but uh, be not wise in your own conceit. Oh, sometimes we, we're so great of ourselves. If be possible, as much as lies within you, live peaceably with all men. So it's important that we follow God's instructions, finding out what He wants from us how to deal in our life, to do what's right and just and good. Deuteronomy chapter 30, what God would like us to do. How God wants us to live our life. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Verse 15, Deuteronomy 30, verse 15. See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil. Life, eternal life, and good to live with Christ. Death, eternal death and evil. And there's nothing worse than can happen is and all the suffering that goes along with it. In that I command you this day, 
to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God will bless you in the land whether you go to possess. But if your heart turn away so that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that I shall surely punish and that you shall not prolong your days upon the land whether you, possess, whether you pass over Jordan to possess. 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your seed may live. God asks us to choose life, to choose the better things of life. doesn't require it. not going to make us, but He wants us. He would that all Israel would come to repentance. What are we going to do? We live in a world that's filled with hatred. We live in a world that's so Babylonian, and the, everything out there, the glitter and the glamour, wants to draw you to it. But we have a choice to make. We can follow Christ. We can do what He's given us to do. We can obey Him and have life and be a part of the family. Or we can go the broad, easy way. We can struggle and fight and die. That's the choice you're going to make. What choice will you choose tonight Tomorrow? Next week? Should we follow what Christ is directing or should we follow our heart to be healthy and, you know, and to choose to go to the medical profession? Choose to be anointed and then deny Christ? When will we fall under grace? When we finally come to that point that we are one mind and one heart with Christ. When we have chosen those things that bring honor, praise, and glory to our Creator and our soon-to-be husband.